Welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for underdogdynasty.com, SB Nation's G5 football community. This is the Conference USA edition of the show. If you've never listened to the show before, we usually talk about the Conference USA football action from the previous week, so this week it would be week 11, and then look forward to uh, next week's football slate. Um... It's usually myself, Joe Londrigan, the Western Kentucky blogger over at underdogdynasty.com, along with uh, Satchel Ziffer, my usual partner in crime, the former Old Dominion kicker punter. Uh, However, Satchel is doing some traveling this week, unable to record, so it's just going to be me, unfortunately. Um, So this isn't going to be a permanent thing if you hear this format of the show and hate it, because it's not going to be a long-term fix. Um, So it's just going to be me talking about... uh, Conference USA football this week. Hopefully you enjoy it. Um, Thanks for sticking with us. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and recap what happened in week 11. Um, Some pretty important results to get to. First of all, Middle Tennessee got the victory over Charlotte 35 to 21. Brent Stock still 255 passing yards in that game. Three passing touchdowns to go along with Tavares Thomas's two rushing TDs. So with that performance, Stockstill is now the all-time passing leader at MTSU. Um, Also a career high in rushing yards for Thomas with 195 in that game. So congratulations to the two of them on that performance. Middle Tennessee improving on their previous record with, uh, I believe they are now 5-5. So big matchup coming up this week in the 100 Miles of Hate rivalry with Western Kentucky that uh, I will get to later in the show. Um, But it's worth noting that they are just such a better team with stock still than without. And that's kind of been shown in their last few results, getting a 30 to uh, 30 to three win over UTEP, 35 to 21 win over Charlotte. Now, albeit those are a little bit inferior teams when you compare it to the rest of the league. But at the same time, um, it just shows that this team has just so much more uh, confidence when that kid is on the field. So, and it really just carries over. Um, So they improved to five and five, only need one more win to make it to a bowl game. And considering the up and down nature that this year has taken for them, I I think they would take a bowl berth. Absolutely. Uh, Next result to talk about Florida Atlantic 48, Louisiana tech 23, uh, that lane train just keeps on rolling with the Owls. They are now 7-3 and three and in really good shape coming into the Shula Bowl this week with Florida International looking very, very likely that they're going to secure a spot in the uh, Conference USA Championship game as they win the East. Um, Kareth White returned the second-half kickoff of that game for a touchdown, 98 yards. And believe it or not, that's actually the first kickoff return touchdown in program history for FAU. So congratulations, Mr. White, on that achievement. Um, Devin Singletary, you really can't say enough good things about how well this guy has performed all year. Um 104 yards for him in this game. Three more TDs to add to his impressive uh, season resume for this year. Uh, Here's some of the totals that I'm talking about when I harp on how good he is. Uh, 1,360 rushing yards. Fifth in the entire country. All of FBS. Uh, 22 rushing touchdowns. That's the most in all of college football right now. 
So as a team, FAU is now up to 2,750 rushing yards on the year. That's actually the eighth highest team total in all of FBS. So it's really been a team effort, but at the same time, Devin Singletary has been such a monster. It's so fun to watch um, and will probably continue as they wind down the year here. For Louisiana Tech, they did manage to put up 512 yards of offense, outgained FAU by about 100 yards, and that's largely thanks to a big performance by Jamar Smith. Smith was 30 of 51 in the day with 326 yards and a touchdown. He also had 78 yards rushing on the day. Four different receivers had at least five catches. So getting better at spreading the ball around. Credit to Smith. He's developing really well. And he was able to avoid throwing an interception. And that's an achievement considering he went against an FAU defense that's had more of those than any other defense in the league. Um, really what kind of killed him in this one was the performance of the defense. Um, they've just had all sorts of issues all year, and they really were not able to limit FAU's big play capability. Um, <coughs> uh, putting up 48 points, um, the Owls only had one drive that was longer than seven yards. So it just shows that they have the ability to score quickly, and Louisiana Tech was not able to contain that. I mean, there's been other problems with the Bulldogs throughout the year as well, but I think that's the biggest problem for them. And Tech's, new game, uh, Tech's next two games – are now must win uh, since they have four wins. And if they want to make a bowl game, they really cannot afford any more mistakes. Next one we should talk about Southern Miss 43, Rice 34. Uh, Golden Eagle QB Quadra Griggs had a good day, uh, 22 of 31 for 331 yards through three touchdowns in that one. Uh, Ido Smith, the running back, 150 yards on the ground, two scores for him as well. Uh, Ido now over 1,000 yards rushing this year. Uh, he's just the 10th player in FBS history now to get 4,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in his career. So uh, we're just giving out praise all around for Conference USA running backs this week, breaking uh, breaking some pretty impressive records, just adding on to some really uh, notable resumes. Uh, Rice's comeback came up just short. The defense just couldn't keep the USM offense out of the end zone. Uh, but the Rice offense, actually a pretty good day, considering that their running back core was pretty, uh, had some pretty significant injuries to deal with. Um, so Nishan Ellerby actually stepped up with a 153-yard, four-touchdown performance off of 22 carries. Um, like I said, just massive day for Conference USA running backs this past weekend. Um, and another... Pretty good day for quarterback Miklo Smalls as well. 127 yards uh, through the air for him on 10 completions. And this is something that I realized about Rice this weekend that is very, very impressive. Center Trey Martin has not allowed any pressures this year on 267 pass-blocking snaps. And uh, that comes from Pro Football Focus. So I don't know if that takes any of the sting for the Rice fans listening out of the fact that uh, you've only won uh, one game this year, but you know at, at the same time, I think you have something really special in that center, and those are hard to come by. So uh, rest a little easy knowing he's uh, he's protecting Miklo there. Uh, next up, North Texas getting the victory against UTEP, 45-10. to Not really too much to say because this really just wasn't much of a game. Uh, aside from Kahani Smith returning the fumble for... Uh, for a UTEP touchdown on North Texas's first possession of the game. This one was just all mean green. Uh, four touchdowns through the air for Mason Fine. 
another uh, big day for him. So with that win, UNC has improved to seven and three overall and clinched the Conference USA West title. They will meet uh, most likely FAU in the championship game, looking more and more like we're going to get a rematch of that showdown in Boca Raton from earlier this year. Um, and I would be all for it, honestly. Two pretty good rushing attacks, and uh, despite what Satchel usually has to say about North Texas, um, I, I think they're a pretty solid team. So I, I think that would be a, definitely an entertaining championship game if that's what it ends up being. So congrats to the Mean Green on securing that championship of the Conference USA West and we'll see if they can pull it out in the championship game for the entire league. So next game here, Marshall 30, Western Kentucky 23. Uh, Marshall getting their first win over the tops since 1996. And Western Kentucky just really kind of got the gears turning a little bit too late. Um, opened it up with a 73-yard touching touchdown drive that was 11 plays uh, Mike White hitting Quentin Jernigan from uh, or Quentin Jernigan rather from six yards away and that was uh, probably their best drive of the day and then Marshall answering with a field goal out in the next possession and then uh, on the next possession Marshall took the lead and were not gonna give it up for the rest of the day uh, they found the end zone on a uh, Keon Davis run on fourth down uh, from three yards out. Kari Vedovic would get another field goal before the end of the half. So it's 13 to seven. And in that first half, other than their opening score, Western Kentucky had three other possessions and those went for one yard, eight yards and two yards. And on that second drive, actually Mike Sanford pulled Mike White and replaced him with Drew Eccles for a couple plays, and it made absolutely no sense. Um, so not really sure why he made that decision, if he was just going to put Mike White back in the game anyway. And at the same time, White was off to a hot start. Um, so I feel like that kind of affected the game in a little bit more uh, major and negative way than he meant to do. But at the same time, you got to take those things into consideration because it really just wasn't necessary. And... Uh, I, I believe he his reasoning was it gives the running game another dimension, but at the same time, it really kind of doesn't. And at the end of the day, Tops only had 34 net yards. So it, it doesn't make any sense when he, when he makes statements like that defending those kind of substitutions. But otherwise, pretty good day for Mike White, 28 of 41 with 334 yards, three touchdown passes. <clears throat> did get picked off uh, once was the return for a touchdown by uh, Nazi Johnson. That's his first turnover of his college career and a pretty, pretty big one at that ended up being the difference maker in a one score game. So congratulations to him. Positive note for uh, Western's defense. Um, the pass rush is improving, able to sack Chase Litton twice and uh, Marshall's pass protection only given up an, an absurd four sacks the entire year prior to Saturday. The only team who had fewer sacks is Army, who had one, but they never pass. So it's kind of a wash there. I mean, Marshall, even with the two sacks on Saturday, easily the best pass protection unit in the NCAA, I think. Um, so Western now 5-5, five and five, hosting Middle Tennessee this week. Marshall 7-3, and three, 
Um, just really hoping for FAU to mess up if you're the Thundering Herd because then you still have the chance to uh, secure the CUSA East Championship. Next result to recap, Old Dominion 37, FIU 30. Really, really important win for Old Dominion there. They're now 4-6 and six with two very winnable games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they need to win both to make a bowl, um, to state the obvious. Um, in this game against FIU, Stevie Williams, no interceptions, which is an improvement from his performances in the last uh, several weeks. Uh, played the whole game, did not give Blake LaRussa a chance. We kind of thought they were uh, headed in that direction on last week's show. Didn't end up happening. Um, but, but Williams played pretty well considering. Uh, threw two touchdown passes. Uh, Ray Lowry also supplemented that performance with 168 yards on 19 carries with two touchdowns. Um, it was just a really exciting game. Um, and you got to give it to FIU for keeping in there. Uh, got it back to a one-score game with about 20 seconds left. Went for the onside kick, recovered it, but were unable to complete a pass on that final drive. Do not tie it up. Old Dominion wins. So the Panthers dropped to 6-3. and three. Still have more games to play, have three um, with the rescheduled UMass game. But as of now, uh, they fall down to third in the East behind Marshall and FAU. So remember, FIU beat Marshall earlier in the year, but they have the big game with FAU this week. So if they're somehow able to win that game against FAU, they won't. Um, then we'll have an interesting situation on our hands considering where those teams rank. Um, if, if they still have a shot to win it, I, I don't know. But at the same time, it, it definitely makes things uh, more interesting, and they, they've had a great year so far. So, so last game for the Week 11 recap, UAB at UTSA. Uh, UAB won that one 24-19. Three turnovers for the UTSA offense, so that's what kind of doomed them despite something of a comeback in the fourth. Uh, pretty impressive, complete three quarters for UAB. Uh, got a little hairy there in the fourth, but the rushing game stepped up between the performances of Spencer Brown and A.J. Erdely. Uh, passing game only got 49 yards, but in the end it didn't really matter. Um, so Blazers are now 7-3. and three. Uh, UTSA drops to five and four after their second straight loss. Uh, close games have really been killer for the runners this year. All their losses have been by a touchdown or less. Um, so if you look at the schedule this year, they started off strong with the win over Baylor, 17 to 10, and then blowout wins over Southern and Texas State. Loss at home to Southern Miss, 31 29. Loss at North Texas, 29. 26. Um, and then significant wins over Rice and UTEP uh, by significant margins anyway. And then at FIU, they lose by a touchdown 14 to 7. And then this week, UAB, they lose by 5, 24 to 19. So if they can find a way to kind of play a little better in these close games and close them out, then, you know, it, it's a little late this year for that to mean too much. Or, or I guess I shouldn't say that really because they have two chances left to get that big sixth win. Next week, they're on the road against a very tough Marshall team that still has a lot to play for, like I mentioned. Um, and like we've said before, if they're not able to win that, then it's going to come down to that season finale against Louisiana Tech 
on November 25th. Um, so definitely need to set a DVR for that because it's actually going to be on national TV on ESPNU. That final game between the runners and the Bulldogs is, I should say. So UTSA been a little bit of a disappointment this year considering um, how uh, hot they started, I should say. Um, but good for UAB. They are 7-3, and three, uh, like I mentioned, in their first year back as an FBS team, and we've been very happy for them. We feel like we've made that pretty pretty clear. Uh, some things to note before we uh, preview Week 12, um, UTSA punter uh, Giannis Routsis has been named a semifinalist for the Ray Guy Award, so congratulations to them. Uh, also, Roadrunners getting some good news coming into this week. I, I do need to make a correction. This coming Saturday, UTSA hosts Marshall. They're not going to Huntington to play the Thundering Herd. Uh, Roadrunners getting Josiah Taufea and Juan Perez Isidoro back uh, for this game, and they're going to need him. Taufea is a really, really impressive player, so it's going to be more fun with him on the field anyway. Uh, Charlotte 49ers have completed the uh, 2021 and 2021 non-conference football schedules. Um, also have a 2022 game at South Carolina uh, on the schedule and uh, moved Indiana game from 2022 to 2024. So if you'd like to see, if you're a 49er fan and you're happy about them playing more uh, SEC teams um, at this point, I don't know why you would be because they're pretty bad. But um, I assuming they're getting some pretty big paydays out of that. So I guess that's something to look forward to. Um, and last thing to note um, for Conference USA news this week, FAU-FIU game, Shula Bowl coming up this week. If FAU wins, that would be their first division title in Conference USA. So um, good news if you're an Owl fan. Should be a very, very entertaining game. And now we will preview the coming attractions week 12 in Conference USA. Uh, first game this week, Friday night at 7 p.m. Central Time in Bowling Green, Middle Tennessee at Western Kentucky. Uh, national TV for that one on CBS Sports Network. Um, if you're looking to go to that game, there's still a lot of tickets left. They're like average of four bucks. So, or not average, I should say, but there are tickets available from four bucks. So check that out. It, I think it'll be a really interesting game because uh, these are two very heavy pass-oriented offenses. Um, Brent Stock still is back, and he's playing great. Um, it'll be a true test to see if Western Kentucky's uh, pass defense is kind of falling into a little bit of a slump or not. Um, they've had two tough weeks back-to-back -back with uh, Vanderbilt, who put up some pretty solid numbers against the tops, uh, and then Marshall, as I kind of expected, that passing offense um, played pretty well against them. So this is going to be a, uh, a game where we see if um, that veteran DB core can step up to the plate and win a key game at home for the tops. Um, and then, but the thing that concerns me is Western Kentucky's offense or their offensive line, I should say, is historically bad. Um, 32 sacks given up this year for the tops. 32 sacks given up by the Tops offensive line this year. And to put that in perspective, that's 120th in the FBS. And there's 129 FBS teams. So you do the math. They are in the a very low percentage of teams. 
uh, in terms of their pass protection. And to make matters worse, um, Middle Tennessee's defensive front is pretty good. Um, when you have when you throw Khalil Brooks in there, he's been great. Um, he's in the top um, top five in Conference USA, I believe, in terms of tackles for loss. Um, so that makes me pretty nervous. I, I'm, if I had to pick a team, I would say Middle Tennessee is going to take this one just because they have a little more positive momentum going in their favor. And um, while their rushing game's not amazing, it's, um, what's the word, capable right now. If I had to describe Western Kentucky's rushing offense, it would be not capable. <laughs> I mean, it's been quite bad. Um, it, it, they're worst they are they have the lowest rushing yardage total in the league and it's not close at all um so i would if i were a betting man i would say middle tennessee takes that one um but i think a lot of points are going to be scored next one rice heading to old dominion this week uh 2 p.m local time is the uh scheduled kickoff in norfolk there um catch it on espn3 uh i think old dominion is gonna win this one actually and I think it will be a little closer than they would like, but Rice's offense continuing to play better, uh, improving slowly but surely. Um, and what we've saw so far is Ray Lawrie, is he's a little streaky, but I think he's on a good streak right now. And, um, you know, Stephen Williams last week, he played a pretty okay team in Florida International and, and stepped up. Didn't throw an interception, threw two touchdowns, um, and they hung in there in a close game. Um, the defense did anyway, and it was just a, it was a good all around team performance. So I think they go ahead and repeat that at home this week against a Rice team that, to state the obvious, not that good. Next one, Louisiana Tech at UTEP. Um, I think Bulldogs get a pretty critical victory here um, at uh, 1 p.m. local time there. Um, I don't have too much to say about that because I think UTEP has just reached the point of being so hopeless that I'm, I'm not even, <laughs> I, like, I don't even know how to even like justify, um, giving them any sort of a chance, but, um, and, and considering Louisiana Tech's offense, um, is not the problem. I think there, <laughs> let me, what's a better way to state that Louisiana Tech's offense is playing exceptionally well despite not winning um, as many games as I think we expected them to. So I think, if nothing else in this one, Jamar Smith is going to have another uh, learning opportunity to put up some good numbers with a little bit of room for error against a bad team and get that fifth win and then put them in a position to where they are in a must-win game against UTSA the week after to make a bowl game. And I think that's going to be a really, really entertaining one, like I've said. Uh, next, Charlotte at Southern Miss. Uh, it's going to be at 2 p.m. local time in Hattiesburg. This Charlotte team, while they've shown flashes, I don't think Southern Miss is about to have a bad day against this team. I think uh, with what Quadra Driggs and Edo Smith have been able to do this year, it's it's been a show on offense. So I, I think that sort of continues against this Charlotte team that's not good. As I express frustration because phones keep going off behind me and I have no idea whose they are. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, I, I think Southern Miss has a, has a pretty easy win on their hands here uh, to kind of pad that resume as they've already secured the uh, the bowl spot. This next one is a little—it's intriguing. UAB at Florida, um, 4 p.m. local time in Gainesville on the SEC network as well as the Watch ESPN app. You know, with Florida, I can't say that I have paid too much attention to that program this year other than what has been— uh, already in the news to, for perspective for those who don't follow SEC football that closely like myself. Uh, they're three and six this year, um, still searching for a permanent head coach after Jim McElwain uh, was fired, coming off a 28-20 to 20 loss at South Carolina last week. Um, UAB, I, I think we'll give him a game. Um, you know, I, I don't quite know what to make of this one because I know Florida is a bad team but they're still an SEC caliber team. While this Blazer team's played well, and we haven't got a gauge of what they look like against Power 5 competition this year. Um, their out-of-conference schedule was against a Sunbelt team, a MAC team, and an FCS team. So it, it's, I'm, you know, I'm definitely going to be paying attention to this one. We'll probably watch it um, all the way to the end if I have the opportunity um, because there's just so much uncertainty here for me. Um, while... Most people seem to th- would feel pretty confident about an SEC team against a Conference USA team. It, it, it might not go the way we're thinking, but we'll see. And then we have Army at North Texas this week, uh, 5.30 in Denton there. You know, I think this is going to be kind of an interesting game because as a team, North Texas doesn't defend the run that well. Um, they're sixth in Conference USA, giving up 171 and a half yards per game, uh, 1,715 yards uh, total. So per game, that's uh, sixth in the league. But uh, when you total it up, they're eighth. Um, so not that much of a difference. But at the same time, this Army team has impressed me a little bit um, with some of the games that they've played. Um, against some pretty tough competition. So I wouldn't necessarily give this to North Texas right away. But at the end of the day, I think they are a pretty strong team. And Army has impressed me with uh, an 8-2 record. They're a strong team. But at the end of the day, so is uh, North Texas. Uh, You know, I think with what Army's been able to do and the fact that North Texas isn't an amazing defensive team, I'm going to give this one to Army uh, just because I think from what I've seen from Ahmad Bradshaw, he is a very, very good team, or he's a very, very good quarterback, rather. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be a good game. I think we're going to see two good rushing offenses square off here. But, you know, unless Mason Fine just has the day of his life, I think what North Texas is going to be able to do is come out, just keep him off the field, with long, sustained scoring drives. Um, and I think that's how they end up uh, taking this one over North Texas. And then the Shulable, as I've kind of alluded to over the course of this podcast, FIU at Florida Atlantic, uh, 7 p.m. local time in Boca Raton. Uh, FAU hosting that one. Um, I, I think FAU has got it pretty much in the bag. I think FIU, while they've been – it's obviously been one of the best years in program history for the Panthers. And it's been one of the best years in program history for FAU as well. But I think FAU is just 
a much stronger, complete team, and they have that star power in Devin Singletary, and I think he's going to have another big day. Um, so FIU just doesn't quite have the tools to slow him down, and I think we're going to see FIU win by two touchdowns there. And then the final game on the docket for Week 12, Marshall at UTSA, uh, 6 p.m. local time in San Antonio. Like I've kind of talked about before, this Marshall team, particularly that offense, is just so impressive. And UTSA, while their defense has been good, it, they have the best uh, pass defense in the league statistically right now. Despite that, I think we're going to see Marshall pull this out in a close game because I do think it will be a close game. And as I've talked about, uh, UTSA does not close those close games well. I think it'll be a good game, but I UTSA will inevitably lose that one, I think, and it will I'll keep coming back to it. It will come down to that last game against Louisiana Tech at the end of the year. So we'll see. So that will do it for the Week 12 preview. Um, appreciate you sticking with us this long if you have. Obviously, there's not really much of a point in talking about uh, a question of the week since there's just one of me. But uh, one thing I did want to pose that I guess I'll just ask you, the audience, and we'll probably talk about it on uh, next week's show when Satchel comes back. Um, he's kind of alluded to the rooting interest he has in uh, Florida, and then he also has the two NCAA teams that he played for over the course of his career. Um, so that's three teams that he has a strong rooting interest in. And other than Western Kentucky, I have uh, other programs that I root for for similar reasons. So for that reason, I want to put this question to you and to eventually Satchel. Um, how many teams is it acceptable to have strong rooting interests for, for college football? And for what reasons? Um, you know, you can go ahead and let me know in the comments of the article for this post, um, or you can tweet them at us. Um, which is a good segue into the outro. Um, please follow uh, me on Twitter at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Um, follow Underdog Dynasty as well. Um, like Underdog Dynasty on Facebook. And um, read underdogdynasty.com, of course. Um, uh, I know with when Satchel's usually here, we have a uh, sign-off line. Um, I'll try to think of one off the top of my head to kind of replace him. Um the guacamole turned brown the day you left me. Sure, let's go with that one. Uh, happy football watching, everybody. See you next week.